Yeah, no, I mean, they're, yeah, they're managing, like, I think, billions. That's so wild. Yeah. Um, but you'd think they'd be able to hire a quality a customer team. service team. I mean, a design team, yeah. You know what's crazy? Somebody out there, like you get really fired up about design. I get fired up about, you know, the stuff I get fired up about. <laughs> and somebody out there, there's somebody out there who customer service just, they get fucking jazzed. They're like, quality customer <laughs> service is my passion. And I love that. I think that's so cool. Like our, the world is so full of skill sets and interests like that person exists. And right. I hope that they are head of a crack customer service team, you know? Me too. I can only, God, we can, we can only hope. We can only hope. We need to get them on the podcast. God. No. <laughs> I, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they would have such an interesting perspective on like human behavior and, you know. Yeah, I think I think it'd be it'd be a fun conversation, a fun All combo. Right. You're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> but how yeah. uh, how's your weekend? Uh, it was good. It was good. I Haley and I went to Joshua Tree with former oh. guest of the podcast Rachel Marsh. It was her birthday. Happy belated Happy birthday, birthday, Rachel! If you're listening, uh, Zach was there. Her husband as well. Uh, it was lovely. It was a blast. Um, it was just nice to get out of Los Angeles safely. Like we all got tested and shit and we just had our little Airbnb and the, I realized (laughs) trips at this point in my life, really short trips, like two days are perfect. That's all I really need right now to get that sense of vacation and rest because mm. I just, I, I've become really fond of my routines, you know, and <laughs> like, like when <laughs> I sound like such an old man, but the, but when I was in Joshua tree, I made a point. I didn't do any writing. I didn't meditate. I didn't work out. Didn't do shit. It was nice. And I just ate a fuck ton of garbage food. It was amazing. Yum. Yeah, I made some coffee coffee cake, courtesy of Claire Saffitz. Mm. It was good. It was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time. We watched the first Austin Powers. Nice. I forgot about that movie. Yes. I don't even know that I feel I've like, ever seen it. Yeah, I don't think that was my, that was the realization I had halfway through it. I was like, actually, I don't know if I ever watched this. <laughs> uh, but so many of the like uh, iconic lines are in my memory, you know? Mm. They like hit nostalgia buttons. Can you give us it's okay. an example? I don't know. I, I uh, Yeah, they, oh, fuck me. I hate that. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mike Mike Myers, yeah, baby. And then like his teeth and uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I, I'm I'm blanking on everything. But like his crazy his like hairy chest that's shaped shaped like a penis. I have memories of that. <laughs> Is that the one with like the the like dancing robot women? No, I think that's the second one. Oh, is it the second one? I I have a strong, I have like a very strong memory of being like, I don't know, like nine or something in Blockbuster watching it on the TV. Yeah. And like that part was going on and my mom was like, stop, stop watching that. And I'm like, uh, okay. That is hilarious. I don't. Was that that the Blockbuster on Colfax? Yes. And And, uh, uh, Kipling. Yeah, a few blocks down from the Circuit City. That's right. Oh my gosh. What a what relics of a bygone era. Indeed. Um yeah, cool. Fuck yeah. Well, let's get this show on the road, shall we? Let's do it. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Practice. My name is Ari Wojcik and 
as usual, I am joined by frequent co-host Jack Cameron DeLay. Hey. It is February 28th, 2021, and it is a Sunday. Mm. 11.09 a.m. PST, 2.09 p.m. EST. Fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> Statement of purpose today. Uh, stay awake. <laughs> Your boy Ari, me, that's me. I, uh, I'm going off of no sleep. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, I worked last night. Get excited. I really stoked that. to be here. Legitimately excited to be here. I'm really glad that we have found a time to make this happen. And, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, be mindful of my sleepy princess eyes, you know? Oh. So if we don't, if we don't hear from you after a little bit, yeah. we'll, we'll know what happened. Well, more like if if you find me being like, wait a second, Jack, can you explain that again? Like that, that's that's the tell. I like that my listening isn't up to par. I guess that's it. Just really work on listening today. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All righty, Jack. What uh, recommendation do you have for us today? Oh yeah. Um. What do I? Oh, yeah, I'm going to recommend, so we'll go, we'll continue, you know, recommendation. My recommendations are always crypto-related these days. Love it. Jack's Crypto Corner. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to recommend a site called artblocks.io. Okay. And why it's cool. So there's like, if, I don't know, if you've seen a headline recently, you've probably come across NFTs as a term. Um, and a lot of people are like, there's just a lot of garbage being pumped out right now. And sure. And for, for those that are new with us, give us just a brief rundown of what an NFT is. <laughs> yeah. So an NFT is basically a unique item on the blockchain, usually the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, so it can represent a unique item like a piece of art or a song or a video. And it proves that you are the unique owner of that digital good. And then that, and that, that digital good is authentic and, uh, the real one. So that's why people, you know, people are going crazy because artists can retain ownership of these items. Um, but to that end as well, uh, so now like the world's kind of like waking up to them. Yeah, now that we're in February, end of February 2021, um, like most notably with Beeple uh, selling at the Christie's auction for, you know, I think the, the auction's ongoing right now, but it was like, I think it was around 3 million last time oh I looked. Oh my God. Um, and that auction, that's his first 500 days. 5,000. 5,000. Oh my gosh. And it's not, it's not for them individually. It's for like the one massive collage. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. That's so that's, so cool. that's like the high, the most high profile NFT item happening currently. Uh, so this website. So anyway, so to get back to it, there's basically a lot of, a lot of noise in the space. Like it's really hard to tell what, like what's valuable. And I've been sure. thinking about this a lot and reading a lot and looking at a lot of stuff. And for me, what is really unique are, I mean, there's a couple things that I look for now, which are like, um, you, it's basically like researching a stock or a, a crypto token. It's, you know, who's the artist? How long have they been making art? What were their last sales like? Um, how many additions are being made? Are they unique or are they repetitive? Um, you know, so you kind of can mm -hmm. look at all this stuff um, to, to gauge whether or not it's going to be a valuable purchase. Uh, but beyond that, a lot of like you can you can analyze any NFT that way. But if you think about specifically what makes what makes an NFT cool and unique beyond um, you know, 
regular like videos and works and stuff in my opinion is the ability to have either generative art or uh like programmatic art i think that's something that has really never been done i'm not um, quite sure i know what you mean yeah so so, so for generative yeah. art like uh basically i can write like i actually did a bit of this in college where we would write you can write a program and then every time you run it it puts something different out like it makes a different image or a different style right depending on the the variables you put into the code does that sure. make sense yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah um so i really like generative art uh as a concept because it's you basically give it a set of principles and then say go and then it turns out different every single time which i think is really yeah. cool just independent of the artist once it's set free yeah exactly so art blocks is a place where you can make these generative art nfts that are quite unique um and yeah so i think that's why they're so cool um there's not really another website that's hosting specifically generative art in this way so so it's it's unique because when you go to the site and you click you have to be there when it's open but you can click mint and it'll you know it'll pop you out a new work that is completely unique to anything else that's ever been in the world <laughs> and now you're the owner of that thing so i just so wait a second really wait a cool. second so i go on artblocks.io and I'm like, I want my own piece of generative art. I want my own generative art NFT. And it's only at certain times. And I pop in there, I request it, and they pop one out for me. But I don't input anything. I don't put in any code. I don't put any like design yeah, that's specs. Correct. Or yeah, anything. you get a you get a random result. And sorry, also to frame it, it's like it's a series, like there, there are a series, right? Like there's a recent one called like archetype and it's by one artist and there are 512 editions and that's all that will ever exist. Right. So you have to be there. And that was like live yesterday at 2 PM. So I, like I went on the website, um, I waited until 2 PM and then I, yeah, I clicked mint. And then, so I actually didn't get it cause my, like <laughs> they're becoming very popular. So people are sending, these Ethereum transactions with like $800 for gas, which is insane. Wow. Um, so I didn't actually get one and it sold out in, you know, like two or three minutes. Um, and then, sorry, sorry. Um, so it's one artist developing these NFTs. Um, no, it's like, it's, how can I explain this? It's like, uh, an exhibition like an artist will have like an exhibition and that'll be like one that you could go buy and there's probably like oh, there's gotcha. probably like 25 like projects actually they're just like projects there's like 25 different generative projects and each one of those has like you know 500 editions a thousand editions whatever oh gotcha gotcha okay wow yeah so anyway it's one of the more i think it's one of the more interesting and unique uh, basically like marketplaces and art platforms out there right now. There's a lot that are just like, you know, you can make, you can make however many of these open editions. Like, I don't know. I could, there's a lot of different auction styles going on, but I just think art blocks is a really cool one because it's generative. Yeah. I so love that. that's my recommendation. There's something so, intriguing to me about a piece of art that is constantly shifting its form to make unique shapes from a set like a, from a set of principles right that the artist bequeathed to this piece right it's like i feel like you you i would almost be afraid of missing it do you know what i mean like there's going to be images that I'm going to miss, right? Because it never repeats itself, presumably. Yeah. Correct. Wow. That's so wild. 
And if you like have a favorite image, you have to like rush and screenshot it or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you could you can always I mean, the more the most interesting part is you don't know like you don't know what is going to come out until all the additions are minted. Right? So there'll be some like you you kind of you just kind of hope you get like a pretty one. <laughs> Like, because then it becomes like this subjective thing about like, um, you know, I subjectively think this one is more attractive than this other piece. And that's like yeah, yeah, just yeah. a random function, right? So it's interesting. But but in that moment, aren't you... Okay, so wait, actually, so let's clarify. So when you purchase one of these, you are getting a self-generative piece of art. So anytime you look at it in the future, it'll be different looking, correct? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. You, so the self-generative art, art that self-generative it generates piece, It generates once. When I click purchase, yes. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it like pumps one out for you. And that's what that I one looks see. like forever. I but see. So when you, when you say minted, that's what's happening. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I guess I should clarify that as well. Um, yeah, so minting just means you, it's the verb for making a new NFT. Okay. And you can do that as an artist, you can mint your own artwork and, and tokenize it, right? Like you're, you're making it into a, an NFT. Uh -huh. Um, or like in this, in this generative case, that's why I'm, this, this site is cool because, uh, it actually attributes it to you as the creator like your wallet oh. when you hit when you hit mint like it says like jack made this jack minted this piece of work and it goes right it goes straight into my wallet and i'm the owner of it and so i can turn around with that and i can sell it or i can just hold it or whatever oh okay oh that's so fun so in but it, but it doesn't say jack made this with so and so's generative piece it's just it, it, it does actually no well it does um so if you go look like OpenSea is the way to look at everything OpenSea.io. so if you go and, and look up the art blocks collection you can see all of the different projects that have been made so if you go to the one that i own and you click on it you'll see on the left it'll say this is an art this is like from this art blocks project here's what art blocks is here's what what this project's about artist statement and Jack made it on this day for this much ether. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, so it's like so serendipitous, like whatever this image ends up being. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like it's literally like you're just pulling it out of a hat. Wow. But 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 it's it's being created when you pull it out. Like right. it's not yeah, sitting right, right. in the hat. Yeah, it's like waiting it's it's, it's kind of like quantum, right? Like as soon as you put your hand in the bag and then like close your hand, that's when it's like, okay, this is the one. Like, and it doesn't even know what it is until you finish that. Oh, that's so cool! I love that. That's like uh, uh, Transformers, the the Shia LaBeouf one where he's like, the car chooses the driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The exactly. NFT chooses. The, the the minter artist. yeah yeah the minter yeah oh i love that it's beautiful well cool um and that gosh I, can, I can't imagine what that must feel like as the artist well like, I, mean, I wonder you, you I wonder... like you know pre like basically the artist is developing like a style right like there's a set of rules so right. like you could you could even make a make a set you could take like the way that Van Gogh's paintings look and make like a coded program for like you know every every one that comes out is going to be swirly and have a variable range of this much paint it gets back I mean like everything is just like mathematics at the end of the day and expressing that and so you're basically saying like between this this range and this range um you know for the the brush stroke Right. And then so, you know, like roughly the bounds, oh, wow. you know, like the rough yeah. bounds of what the artwork will look like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can really tell like yesterday's one was really quite cool because it was um, it was kind of it was like 45 degrees series of blocks. And it you can definitely tell that those are part of a set. Right. Because they have a very it's like a, it's a tight aesthetic, but the way that their range changes and the colors change. 
but you can still like you know that it's like you can tell from the aesthetic that it's part of that collection wow so the artist so like this the artist knows mm-hmm. kind of what they're like the 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 range the pasture that the the art will land in yeah so ba- so this artist so, <laughs> so if picasso was doing this his blue period would be one of these Right. And instead of like him painstakingly going through all of these individual paintings, he's like, no, I'm just going to set set down the rules of this period and let this. Yeah. And let it like let it make it. Yeah. Or like let it let a thousand people create a thousand editions. Right. Like that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. I would love to hear an artist talk about pieces that surprise them that are like oh wow i didn't even know yeah totally these rules that i set out were capable of this yeah they um the guy one of the guys jeff davis is um he did an interview with actually i think with the artist uh who minted yesterday let me see yeah yeah uh so jeff davis had a one-on-one chat with Kay golid who's the artist the block artist in advance of his upcoming drop of archetype on art blocks. Check out the conversation. So I need to listen to that. I haven't listened to it yet, but I think that's exactly, I would imagine that they cover some of that. Sweet. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Show notes, of course. Show notes. Well, very cool, man. Artblocks.io. Yeah. Check it out. Fuck yeah. What, uh, what would be your, art block like what would be the the Mm. restrictions i don't know man like that's um i mean i actually made uh i don't know if if you remember on busy's but i made like uh this was probably a couple years ago now but there's one piece i did that had that i actually made using a generative art program that i wrote myself oh wow um so I was like, man, I should just unleash that for art blocks. Like that would be really cool. I'd have to go. I don't even Dude, know. If I, I don't know if I have the source file, but it was basically just a program that just wrote. It basically wrote a random number of circles in a random sequence and order. And it kind of it made like pretty aesthetically pleasing output. Um. So I think I would just I would op- I would optimize for yeah aesthetics or just like calming um, nice palette like something that you can look at that you might want to buy I guess I don't know like there's some really ugly work on there like it's just actually ugly <laughs> yeah I feel I feel like that's just inevitable right like given the yeah but it's the... it's like even the parameters right like it's like the whole set is. It's interesting because like all of these NFTs are a lot of them are now like actually in collections, right? Like, so you can gauge quickly after seeing, you know, like even just five from a series, you're like, I, there's the possibility that I will really like one of these or like, these are gross and I don't like, I won't like the, anything in this collection. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It sounds like, it just makes me think of hyper speed rewriting. So I feel like so much of my rewriting process is ugly. Like so much of what I write is just so gross and awful and I hate it. But there's that like two, well, fuck. So this is kind of a tangent, but it, I mean, it is a tangent. What am I talking about? But just humor me for a second. So I was reading about, uh, the Lord of the Rings, right? The production of Peter Jackson's movies, right? And he shot something like 5 million feet of film. So back then oh, wow. it was film, right? Oh, wow. 5 million feet. And that comes out, well, I think it was like 5 to 6 million, and that comes to about 1,000 hours of footage. Wow. 1,000 hours for all three films. And that was parsed down to like, I think the total runtime of the extended editions is like eight hours or something. Wow. So that's like, is that even 1% of know. like the footage shot? It doesn't, I don't think so. 
Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a stupid small percentage that is used in the final product. Yeah. But what's so interesting about this generative art is that it's all it, it you're you're you could you're getting all of it. The 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 audience and the artists that are participating as consumers are getting all 5 million feet. Right. Potentially. And as yeah. a result, I mean, some of that's going to be, some of it's going to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah, but you, I mean, you hope, you're like, man, I hope I get a good one. Because, like, you never know what you're going to get. And, you know, you, one comes out and you're like, like, wow, this is amazing. Or you're like, oh, man, this thing, this is like a fart. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm excited for the day that you and I attend an NFT gallery or, or exhibition excuse me that the theme is the worst ones <laughs> like the people like they reach out to people and are like which nfts are like your worst purchases that is generative nfts were your worst purchases. yeah yeah you'd have to get all specific there's a lot of bad a lot of bad nfts out there oh, that's so fun um it's wild, the Wild West. It really the is. New, the new frontier. It really is. Well, thanks for sharing, Jack. Artblocks.io or artblock, excuse me, .io. That's right. Fuck I also, yeah. I found that. I found my processing file, so that's nice that I still have it. So maybe I'll Yes, maybe I'll put it on there, dude. I'll buy one for like uh, .003 ether. <laughs> Yeah, they usually the ones on there usually go for point uh, point two. Okay, I mean that's still kind of a lot. Yeah, but you can immediately sell them for three, so it's fine. That's so wild. Who the fuck's buying it? Um, other art collectors. That is so cool. Art collectors. It sounds like a ruthless job, though. I don't think I have the stomach for it. I mean. I'm out there doing that shit right now, man. Yeah, but you're like amped about it. You're fired up. Fired up. Fired up. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, cool. Fuck yeah, bro. NFTs, crypto, the future, new frontier. Uh, <laughs> my recommendation, uh, per usual. Uh, is bringing it back, bringing it back to some archaic forms of entertainment. Bringing it back. The skate video. Uh, yes. I feel a bit, I feel a bit like a poser for recommending this. I myself am not a skater. I wish I was. I'm very scared of anything that you put your body on that has wheels. <laughs> and can go fast without obvious breaks like that i'm so and even things with wheels that do have breaks if i'm not covered by metal and glass i'm so scared of going fast mm. so scared like i have friends back when i lived in seattle we would go on bike rides and they would just bomb down these gnarly hills and i'd be like grinding my poor brakes like to a nub because I was so scared of just <laughs> letting loose. And I remember the first purchase I made uh, when I started working as a nurse, when I started making like real money, uh, was a skateboard. I don't know if I ever told you that. Oh, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, I bought a skateboard. I was like so gung ho. I was like, I want to learn. I, like I've always, I'd always wanted to learn and like face that fear. And I ended up selling that skateboard before moving to L to LA, <laughs> which is so silly. LA is way more skatable than Seattle. Yeah. Right. Um, yep. Maybe, maybe I should get back into it. Anyway, my recommendation, uh, as a non skateboarder is this interview, uh, between, uh, the filmmaker Werner Herzog. And this skateboard YouTube channel, skateboard magazine called Jenkem, J-E-N-K-E-M. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, Jenka Magazine. Yeah, 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 those guys. But they reached out to I, – I really don't know the story behind why they reached out to Werner Herzog specifically. But they were just awesome. like, hey, we just want to hear your thoughts on skateboarding. And Werner Herzog is like old school. He – let's look him up. Uh for those of you who don't know him, he is, he's probably most famous now for the villain he plays in The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, oh wow, you're he, right. He, yeah, yeah, he's the guy with the really intense German accent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's 78 years old. He was born in 1942 in Munich. But yeah, so this skate magazine, Jenkum, they reached out and were like, yo, we just want to hear your thoughts on skating. And it's a really short interview, nothing crazy. Uh, it's like four minutes. Uh, but I just love hearing him talk about failure. And he, see, and he seems to have this real respect for skateboarding. He's like, he just, he marveled. Like, you, there, there are moments where he's watching clips with the interviewer and yeah. he just marvels at the skate, the skateboarder's willingness to try again. He's just like, oh my God, like he's destroying his body. But he's getting up and going for it again. Like he and he just he seems so impressed and so in love with a willingness to fail and keep going. Dude, yeah, and, skaters are so hardcore. Yeah, it's so hardcore. It's amazing. And yeah, I just found I found this this video very beautiful and inspiring. Cause in a like in a like in a way, whatever artistic pursuit or like business venture or whatever, whatever we are giving our time to ultimately is a form of skateboarding. Like we're going to fall down. We're going to fuck up. And the people who are willing to get up faster and keep trying, like those are the ones that, you know, make it happen. And I love that. And Verna, again, listening to Werner Herzog talk about it is like, if you need something to light a fire under your ass, watch this interview. It's so cool. And I don't want to give too much away because it's only like four minutes, but he has a response to David Blaine, who I've talked about on mm. the podcast before. Uh, David Blaine, most like he's the magician who does these crazy physical stunts. Uh, most recently, he like floated up in the air uh, like a hot air balloon, but a like a human hot air balloon. He like got super, super high and traveled like a crazy distance. But Werner Herzog calls him out. He's like, this isn't like, he isn't doing it for the love of it. He's like, and, and like, this is him speculating, right? He's like, I don't get the sense that he's doing it for the sake of doing it. He's doing it for the like notoriety and to like impress people. Meanwhile, skateboarding is like such a niche thing 90% of these kids are just wrecking their bodies for the love of skateboarding. And yeah. Like, that's, that's so beautiful. Gnarly. Yeah. So Werner Herzog as interviewed by Jenkum magazine. Cool. That's kind of, I mean, that makes me think like, I always think of Werner Herzog when I think of, um, what is it? Grizzly man or whatever. Yeah, that documentary. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yeah, so I yeah. we watched that in a class. I literally had a class called The Art of the Sublime. <laughs> and that was Humanities major. Yeah, that was in that was in that class that we watched it. And the Sublime is like it's like pure beauty, but if you ever actually you can actually never get to the pure beauty because it will actually like to be perfectly and purely beautiful is death <laughs> basically right oh. so that's like like grizzly man was part of that whole thing um oh, but sure. like the skating spoilers kind of <laughs> yeah kind of um but like skateboarding is kind of the same thing where like you do yeah you have to go like i mean i would i would i would love to be a skater but i there's like just so many things in my like personality and being that are not skating you know <laughs> that, that is so fascinating to our listeners who aren't uh super close to jack jack i remember you like going ham on longboards before longboards were even like a thing well yeah but that was that was because i couldn't skate or i didn't i basically didn't want to skate um 
I, I mean, I tried to skate when I, we were like, I remember in like third and fourth grade, that's when I got my first skateboard. And I, cause I was like, man, I really want to learn to skate. And, but I was always like, I was just too nervous to go like go to the skate park or any of that. You know what I mean? And yeah, man, same. And then I also just like, you know, I fell pretty hard a couple times and I was like, man, this is just, this is just too much. And now I, I was, <laughs> it's actually really funny. Cause I was gonna, I was telling Christy, I was like, I picked out a board. I was like building a board just like last year. And I was like, yo, I'm going to get a skateboard. And she's like, what are you thinking? You're like, <laughs> you're like 29 and we live in Manhattan. Where are you going to go skate? And I was like, I don't know in the streets. <laughs> anyway, she talked me out of it. Um, no, but I loved, yeah. Longboarding was great because like, I definitely could just like go fast. Like as long as the wheels are on the ground, like I, I will, I will absolutely like bomb a hill on a longboard for sure. And I love doing that in college. Um, but I was always, you know, envious of the skaters, you know, on the rails and the stairs and all that, yada, yada. Yeah, bro. I, God, I'm, I'm envious of just your willingness to bomb down a hill. Like I'm like, that's how far removed I am. Like just even going fast, even when I did have a skateboard in Seattle, the, the sheer like roar of the wheels beneath my feet. Like if I wasn't on smooth ass pavement or like a tennis court, <laughs> the noise like stressed me out. And I didn't realize it until one day I was like, I'm going to listen to music and skate. And I put my headphones on and I was going faster than I'd ever gone before. And I was like, I wonder why that is. And it's because the roar of the wheels was like muffled. So like this, <laughs> this, the, the severity of what I was doing wasn't as like visceral. Sweet, sweet little tulip. They are like, yeah. I mean, the, but the skateboards, they are like stupidly loud, like, because that's all about the hardness of the wheels. That's another reason longboards are great yeah. because they have the softer wheels that are quite quiet. That was like, dude, that was one of my favorite things in Boulder. I could go like basically to the edge of Boulder Canyon before it goes into the mountains. And you could go from oh, there sure. all the way across to like East Boulder on the path by the river. And I would just like put my headphones in and go do that. That was awesome. God, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, man, I miss that. I don't even have a bike out here. I used to go on bike rides all the time back in Seattle, but no more. Um, gosh, the but dude, I feel you, man. I feel like I constantly go through these moments where I'm like, I should get into skating. I should take like a skate class. Yeah, yeah. And like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Like, why not? Like, I'm I'm not getting any younger. Yeah, that's fuck. true. I mean, no. at, at the same time, I'm like, do I need to go like break my arms right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you 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 be safe, you know. I mean, you don't get the pads, you... get the pads on. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's Tony funny. Hawk is skating at fifty, like. Okay, yeah, but he's he's been. That's like. Yeah, it's you're like right. Breathing you're right. <laughs> air. It's like I've been breathing since I was born. Same. Tony Hawk's been skating, you know. Out the womb. Out the womb. But uh, no, there's this, uh, there's actually a skate park on the waterfront in Chelsea. And even when we like walk around over there, I'm always like, it like makes me nervous. Like, I'm like, man, I want to go do that, but I'm too nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm so scared. Yeah, and there's like I, little I, kids in there just ripping it up. Oh my God. It's so cool. It's so fucking amazing. And I think another, one of the reasons it is so like, uh, attractive attractive is not the right word but it's just raw failure it's like raw trial and error trial and error at its most like in your face tangible like and i love that that's so cool yeah god damn we're just i think we're just aspiring skaters dude i guess so that's all we want to be we need need uh, more skate practice more skate practice <laughs> it all it all comes back to practice that's right um fuck yeah dude Werner herzog as interviewed by jenkum magazine and artblock.io heck yeah beautiful okay
Beautiful. Uh, Jack, do you have a reading update for us? Actually, this is kind of an exciting reading update. This is, this is, yes. So I finally finished Homo Deus. Yes! Oh my god. Yes. And it's actually not even in the house still. Um, Our friend Clara has borrowed it to read it. Usurped Um, it. Did you see my summary on Instagram? I wrote like a little summary when I finished it. Oh, fuck. I did not. Did you screenshot it? I have it. I started a new highlight called Reads. Nice. Um, so you can go see it. But yeah, so it was um, yeah, it was good, right? Because I think like, you know, I've been talking about this for, I don't know, however many episodes. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, since the beginning, I think. Yes. About. No, I was reading Sapiens in the very beginning. So. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah it's, it's part of the... The, sa- the, yeah. the Noah... Yuval Harari series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shared universe. <laughs> yes, this sh- <laughs> shared universe. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it was really good. Uh, I mean, he had some interesting ideas. Basically, I think we talked about this before, but um, yeah, basically the whole the end, the last third of the book was like pretty just intense in the way that it was talking about uh, hu- like basically humans are irrelevant and will become increasingly irrelevant like quickly <laughs> like yeah. assuming like assuming that society basically becomes ruled by a couple of like a handful of techno elite individuals um, who basically oversee or not even oversee possibly but facilitate the algorithms right like everything he basically says for a very long time, humans were the most uh, efficient at data processing. And he offers that dataism is actually the successor to humanism and liberalism, which have been kind of the, the mode for the last, whatever, 200 years since the industrial revolution. So now he proposes that dataism is the predominant upcoming religion, uh, especially where biologists agree that biology is basically a series of algorithms. So if everything is an algorithm, then uh, it doesn't actually matter if you're organic or inorganic as long as you're running an algorithm. And it's actually just all about the flow of data. So to participate and be... um, in the data processing, in the data flow is to be a participant, right? And that like that line is going to blur between humans and computers. So uh, yeah, that's kind of the takeaway. So eventually, and eventually like computers will be, not eventually, but like quite soon, um, computer algorithms will be, uh, you know, just incredibly faster than humans. So we're basically building our own algorithmic replacements and data processing replacements. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then he like literally it's really exciting. Yeah. It's super exciting. He also, he ended it. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, yeah. He just ended the book with just like questions. He was like, what implications will that have for society? Like as a question, and that's like the last thing when the book ended. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> like, I was, I was like, oh, okay." Um, it just raised a lot of questions. Wow. Yeah, of course. Oh my goodness. And like, what do you basically? Yeah, what do you do? What do you do when humans don't need to work anymore? Yeah, dude, that is approaching so fast. Yeah. So fast. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about this on the, I talk about this on here all the time, but like even my job as a nurse, like I look at so many of the responsibilities and it's like a machine's going to be doing this mm-hmm. so soon. Right. God. Exactly. What, what feelings arose in your cavernous chest when you <laughs> finished the book? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wasn't like surprised. I was like, 
I was also like, I felt like relieved, which was kind of unexpected. Oh. Um, I really, I mean, I really liked it, right? Because like the whole time he's kind of building about up about like, you know, the failures or like, like liberalism and humanism are just like ideologies that were better at data processing. Like he actually had a really interesting, I think I talked about this last time, but the difference between like why democracy even survived the Cold War basically. Um, did I talk, did we cover that? I, I think so. I, I keep going, keep going. So, yeah. so democracy survived the Cold War. Yeah, basically, just because, like, capitalism was a better uh, right. data processing uh, construct than communism, right? Like, it was essentially decentralized versus centralized data processing, um, and like that—that that was it, really. Uh, I forget where I was going with that. Um, how humanism and liberalism. Oh, that's right, 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 right. So those, um, yeah, basically, like the those are no longer relevant. So I liked, I liked that he was. I don't know if I liked it, but it made sense that dataism would be the successor. And I, I mean, I'm already in that camp, right? Like. I've kind of been in that camp and it's all like my question. I'm always like, can I get more data? Like my whole thing is like, can I get more data anytime I'm trying to make a decision? Um, so eventually like I would, he actually has a whole bit in there too about like, you know, if you actually give, you give up information to data processors, AKA Google, Facebook, uh, mega marketplaces, right. Amazon, uh, if you actually give that up, then the faster that will happen and the faster you'll have like better decisions and personalization. Um, but a lot of people like that's like just very scary to a lot of people. And I, I, I see it as assuming, assuming you have like ethical moral rules in place, I guess then. Yeah, absolutely. I want like, I, I have to think so often about like dumb shit, like yeah. just make the, di- like just do the data thing. Like, just do it <laughs> so I can do other stuff. The, on a much smaller scale, the book I'm reading at work during downtime now is uh, James Clear's Atomic Habits. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But in the chapter I was just reading, he talks about automating your environment to make good habits easy Mm. right so like the less thinking you have to do uh about going for a run or the less thinking you have to do about eating a healthy meal like the easier it is to do that thing right yeah Um, yeah i mean that seems kind of obvious but i I feel like that is something that we overlook so much like so much of my lost time is wallowing in like bad decision making right Exactly. Automate it. Automate, Automate my, my life. life. <laughs> yeah, do it. Just do it. Just do it. Um, damn, dude, that's heavy. So you felt relieved. Relief. Yeah, because I don't know. It was somehow somehow felt like validation of something that I already suspected. Yeah. But yeah, hadn't yeah, really didn't. like hadn't really had the fully formed thought, you know. Man, that's what the best books do, dude. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. What is uh, what is your reading update, my guy? Uh, it is in line with this, kind of. <laughs> uh, so during my like chore time. During the week, I've been listening to Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, Viktor Frankl was a, uh, I think he, he called himself a psychologist. He, he was uh, a, a doctor but that, that specialized in like therapy and like the health of the mind, right? And he was a Holocaust survivor. Mm. Um he was in Auschwitz, um, yeah, and just really went through 
hell. It's 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 an insane story. Wow. And this book is about how, how does, does one, one well, well, I might be fucking, might be this, fucking up. this up. <clears throat> to me, so far, what the book is about is like what lets someone come out of an experience where you are so degraded and tortured mentally. What what allows someone to come out of that alive and willing to live, right? Right. And he, and he postulates that it is this search for meaning that is what will make or break you basically. And and he thinks that a lot of the time, any sort of neuroses or depression or whatever is the result of a lack of meaning. Right. Mm. And, and I'm doing, this is a very like reductive uh, summary but and he, and he goes into great detail and I highly recommend this book. I can't recommend it enough. I'll link to the free uh, audio book that you can find on YouTube. I'll have that in the show notes. And there's actually a free PDF of it online too uh, that I can put in there. But I just wanted to read this one <clears throat> passage. Um, oh, sorry. Even though conditions such as lack of sleep, insufficient food, and various mental stresses may suggest that the inmates were bound to react in certain ways. In the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influences alone. Fundamentally, Therefore, any man can, even under such circumstances, decide what shall become of him, mentally and spiritually. He may retain his human dignity even in a concentration camp. Dostoevsky said once, There is only one thing that I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. These words frequently came to my mind after I became acquainted with those martyrs whose behavior in camp, whose suffering and death bore witness to the fact that the last inner freedom cannot be lost. It can be said that they were worthy of their sufferings. The way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner achievement. It is this spiritual freedom which cannot be taken away that makes life meaningful and purposeful. And yeah, I've just been thinking about that a lot. Um, he goes on to talk about how, and again, this is, I, I'm being really reductive here, but this has kind of been the biggest takeaway for me, that the meaning of life is so much more plastic and malleable than I think we ever consider when we talk about the meaning of life. I feel like the meaning of life is always like some big lofty idea, like love your neighbor or fucking make make your own meaning or whatever, which I, I, I do think is kind of where he's going with this. But he has this one point where he's like, sometimes the meaning of life is your next meal. Sometimes your meaning of life is like getting up in the morning. Sometimes your meaning of life is brushing your teeth. Like meaning is right in front of us at all times. And it's just a matter of what choice we make. Hmm. And yeah, I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And, and again, I'm, I'm talking out loud. I'm like thinking out loud right now. So if anybody has like a better, uh, summary of all this stuff or a better way of articulating what Frankel like says in the book, please reach out. Boy. Uh, but yeah, Victor Frankel, man's search for meaning, baby. When I am done with that, actually, no, when I'm done with the book I'm reading right now, I'm going to start sapiens and we're going to go through this whole. Wow. Run it, run it again. Again. 
We're gonna go through it again. I want to see what what else we uncover. It'll be very I, interesting I, to see what you take out of it. What I what I garner, yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, yeah, Jack, you got a story for us? Um, I have a story. I don't know. It's not gonna be a very good story. Maybe it will be. I'm so excited. I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh wait, shit! We spick, we skipped piece of advice. Oh my gosh! What? Is, all right, yeah, let's, yeah. I can't can't go back or go backwards. Fuck. No, uh, wait. Sorry, fuck. I'm kidding. What we was... definitely can do it. Oh man, I I feel like did I have one written down? God, I'm such an asshole. Um, piece of I I oh. Uh, I've been reading these Bill Watterson interviews. Mm. He's the, the, the writer and illustrator of Calvin and Hobbes. Um, and <laughs> I think, I think if you, if you are in, engaging in any sort of creative pursuit, if in any, in any pursuit that you have chosen, uh, he, he just talks about how important it was to get ahead Right. To like give himself a buffer so that when like his creative juices were slow, he wouldn't be like pressured to churn out bullshit. And so, yeah, if you're if you're starting out on anything that is ultimately going to require a deadline, give yourself some space to get ahead. And really, I'm just this is advice for myself right now, like in, mm. in my life. So, yeah, I don't know. That's good advice. I need that, too. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like I so frequently, in, in in the same way that a person can live paycheck to paycheck, I, I live uh, project to project, mm. you know? And, and so when I finish one, it's like this scramble of like, wait, what? Fuck, what's next? Fuck. <laughs> you know? So maybe like, yeah, give, give like, like don't, don't share something or post something the moment it's done maybe maybe sit on it and finish something else and then you have two things to share and you can choose to share one while the other one sits and you can get working on another one and yeah that's that's interesting yeah i've been thinking about that a lot lately but yeah 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 give give, give yourself some space to uh finish stuff before you share it that's amazing Boom. hell yeah all righty, Jack, what is this story you have for us today? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I was talking to Anna the other day, and I, I don't know why I thought this would be the story to share. But well, uh, so, you know, she's a drone pilot. She's working as a drone pilot in uh, California right now, Southern California, yeah. um, at a new company. And... She was oh, out. Congratulations. Yes. So she was out in the field. Like she's out in the field mostly. Um, like in not like non-public access places. Uh, so pretty remote. And I guess she, so she's like with a partner. It's like a pilot and like another person. I don't know what the other person does, but she's with this person <laughs> and they go, they're like way back. And uh you know the person she's with like anna was like yo there's this really steep road part like kind of like a curvy steep windy road and they didn't have a very good car i guess like it was like a rental car um i think like a like a crv or uh i don't know something that wasn't like a super beefy car you know yeah, yeah. it was like a soccer mom suv or something and anna's like i don't think you should you know I think the person's we'll pull we'll we'll call the person Ryan. <laughs> Say Ryan, Ryan. She's like, Ryan, I don't think you should go down that I don't think we should go down this road. Like this is a pretty like steep road. Like I don't think this little car is gonna be able to get back up. And he's like, No, no, yeah. like, no, I got it. And <laughs> you know, so they're and they're also they're like, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. So they go down this hill and they, you know, they go take the drone and they do the drone shot, whatever. And they come back to the car and it kind of like it had started raining. So they get in the car and like, sure enough, they're, you know, they try to go up the hill and they just start like skidding out and like oh the wheels are like God. stuck in the mud, you know, and this is, this is around like noon. 
And so Anna's like, okay, like, let me get out and I'll like put some rocks and sticks and stuff under the wheels so we can, you know, get some traction and get out of here. And, you know, it works. It's, it's great. So she's like, cool. Like, I've got this, like, good job. Uh, and they like keep going up the road. It happens again. And they're, so they're like stuck and their wheels are like spinning, spinning, spinning. They like throw more sticks and stuff under there. Nothing helps, you know? And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, Anna and the, Ryan's like, Anna, like, have you done this before? And she's like, yeah, move over. So she's like, gets in and like tries to like drive it out. Can't get it. So she's like, okay, I guess like there's, oh, there's also no cell phone reception in like this hole. And so oh, she has to, uh, in on this hill. So she's like, okay, I have to walk up to the top of the hill. So she walks up to the top of the hill to get cell service and calls, calls her like field manager person who's like in charge of like exactly this type of event and like to help you out and get you out of a sticky situation. So she like calls him. It doesn't, he's like, okay, yeah, cool. Like whatever. Or or no, I think he didn't answer. Yeah. He was like, just wasn't answering. (laughs) And so she, she calls like another person who's like at the like headquarter office, whatever. And this person is like, fine. Okay, great. Like that sucks. I'll, I'll get you a tow truck. And it takes forever that they can't get a tow truck out there because it's so remote. Like none of the companies, the companies are like, absolutely not. Like we're not going to send a tow truck out there. Like that's ridiculous. So eventually the woman at the office like finds, finds some guy with a tow truck (laughs) to like hard, hardcore Henry motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And finally, like this guy comes out with his big truck and this is at this is at 7 p.m. So the whole fiasco started at noon. So then it finally at, at 7 p.m. Oh the guy comes God. with his truck and he like he almost gets stuck and like kind of jackknifes around like some of the corners and stuff. And it's like really sketchy getting out. They finally get the car up and out of this gulch and gully. And like, you know, they you know, the car is fine whatever they get home eventually like eight o'clock. And the field manager is like, oh, yeah, hey, like, did you ever get out of there? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah so i just what a fuckhead yeah yeah so completely in incompetent field manager but uh pretty pretty wild story and it's just so different than my day-to-day the things that she's yeah I'm going sure. oh my yeah. god i've never i've never I had to deal with that in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Fucking Ryan, dude. Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, it was, and it was because Ryan didn't want to hike down the hill that he drove the car down. Like, it because Anna was like, yo, we should get out and like walk down this hill because the car's not going to make it. And he's like, mm, I don't want to walk it and the car will make it. <laughs> so, you know, Fucking... like, yeah. What, what a, what a guy. What a guy. His lazy hero ass. That's God right. damn it. Exactly. <sighs> what a great story. Former guest of the podcast, Anna DeLay. That's right. My uh, sister. Congratulations on your new job. And I'm glad you're alive. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, she could have died out there. Fuck. I suppose that's true. <laughs> I didn't, that, didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. I was just like, wow, what an adventure. But I guess. Oh yeah, she could have been. They could have been mauled by some animal. They could have fucking died of thirst. God. <laughs> yeah. The the wilderness is crazy, man. Yeah. You think scare? You think skateboarding is crazy? <laughs> Mother nature will fuck you up. Try nature. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what a great episode! What a wholesome, wide-ranging episode. Indeed, Jack. Do you have a poem to close us out today? Yes, I actually do. Um, I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna keep it easy with our boy uh, Shell Silverstein, <sighs> who OG. who died in 1999. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I thought he was still alive. My heart is in my ass right now. He was born in the 30s. Holy fuck. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. 
I thought he was like a Bob Dylan motherfucker. That's what I thought he was like the same track as Bob Dylan. Like in terms of like age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was he was like he was born 1930, died 1999. Born in Chicago, died in Key West. Is that Florida? Yes. Good for him. Good for Shell. Yeah. Um so this one is called Diving Board. And it's got a cute little man standing up on a diving board. It's quite high. And the poem is between the diving board and the water. Diving board. You've been up on that diving board, making sure that it's nice and straight. You've made sure that it's not too slick. You've made sure it can stand the weight. You've made sure that the spring is tight. You've made sure that the cloth won't slip. You've made sure that it bounces right and that your toes can get a grip. And you've been up there since half past five doing everything but dive. Yeah, man, that's my that's my relationship with skateboarding in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably just like most things in general. Anyway, I thought it was a fun, a little fun, a little fun guy today, you know? I love that one. No, that's great. That's great. I feel like the last poem we had was a super abstract, weird one that left me upset. So. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, nice. that, the, the one that I read that was like a random one or the one well, you read it last time. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what I read, but although I do remember mine also being upsetting. But yeah, yours was like a fucking all these men are raping me with their eyes at this holiday <laughs> oh, that's party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's like, damn. Um, but yeah. Fuck yeah, Shell. Fuck yeah, Well, thank Shell. you, Jack. Thank you, thank you. Um, as always, thank you for listening, first of all, if you've made it this far. Um, if you are the first one to reach out to Jack or I via uh, email. I have I have my email in the show notes or by Instagram, whatever. Uh, Jack and I will Venmo you a dollar. One dollar. You can use it to buy a, an NFT uh, or put it towards buying an NFT. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love you guys. Love you, Jack. You guys are great. Um, yeah, we'll catch you guys in like a couple weeks-ish. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Catch on the flip. <laughs> Bye.